Well, it's my privilege to say a few words on John chapter 12 before we go home and hopefully lift up the Lord Jesus Christ so he changes our lives. We're back in John for a while after briefly visiting Jonah. And in the Thursday class, which you're all welcome to as well, um, we said uh, the gospel isn't just these words, Jesus died for your sins, amen. It's actually much more than that, though it is that. But it's like it raises questions like who's Jesus, why did he die, what's sin, what was it all for, what's this new life that he offers Cardiff after he's died and he's risen. And so the gospel really is Jesus takes over our lives and that's the very best thing that can happen to all of us here this morning and at home. He changes our hobbies for the good, our thoughts, our addictions serving others, um, how we spend money, how we play sport, and what we treasure the most. Because we're really bad as humans at treasuring things which fade away and do us no good. So, this morning, we're just looking at a lady who really treasured the right thing, or the person. She treasured the Lord Jesus Christ. And her name was Mary, and she lived in Bethany, and she's in John chapter 12. And you'll also find her in Mark chapter 14 and in Matthew chapter 26. So she's popular in the Bible. Mark chapter 14 is a really like sobering of the take on this story. So that's your homework um, when you get back. Mark 14, it really, it's a hostile environment, this story. But John wants us to focus on something else. Now then, controversial statement to begin, but I think I'm right. I think money can be great. Yeah? All right, no one threw a hymn book at me. I'll move on to my next statement. I think Christians with money can be wonderful servants of the Lord. Nods, right? And I think everyone here is rich, even the poorest of us. I think we're in the top couple of percent most wealthy kingdoms in world history. So even the poorest in the West at the moment are far richer than poverty elsewhere. Okay? So, money can be good. However, it comes with big warnings, which is why my sermon this morning is called Jesus is Better Than Money. There's a warning to us all when money becomes our treasure. Now, remember the gospel is Jesus wants to affect our treasures for our good. So, when money becomes a treasure, the Bible says it becomes a huge loss, a weight, which we all need to get rid of. Here's my next question. Um, if you want to follow along, by the way, it's page 1079 in your books. But here's another question, which I think will divide the crowd. Can money bring happiness? No's, yeses, slight nods. Some people looking down afraid. Um, can money bring happiness? I think for some, it brings happiness. Controversial. I always found, when I was a non-Christian, I always found it a bit of a cheap tactic from the preachers who would say, you're not happy with your money and your sin, because I always quite was happy when I was just an outright sinner, because putting myself number one was quite enjoyable. You know, you get, sin is attractive. That's why people do it all the time. So I never really bought into that stuff. Putting myself was great, spending money on myself and no one else, wonderful. And then they would also go, you want real joy. 
church people, and you look around and everybody's like miserable and haven't smiled since 1942. And not only that, would secretly love the treasures of money, but, but do it behind the scenes. Like they sort of act the same way except on a Sunday morning. That can happen because church without Jesus is dull. You might as well have money and go nuts because we've only got Jesus as Christians that's better than money. Um, like church isn't very good at majoring on the Lord Jesus Christ and we need that to change for the sake of this country. Otherwise, we're just going to be fakes who secretly want to have money binges. But having said that, for some people, it, it doesn't make them happy. And probably the majority of people are in this category. They try really hard their whole life chasing a treasure. They get it and they feel flat. And that happens too. So I remember reading the, uh, Jim Carrey, the actor. He said this. I wish everyone could get rich and famous, then they can all see that it doesn't bring happiness. So there's one person that the treasures of the world hasn't really touched the side. Matt Damon, the actor, says the same thing. I wish everybody could win an Oscar, you'll find that it's not much. That's what he says. I was told yesterday that the Foo Fighters, a band that you'll probably all love, um, they're about to re-release -re an album, and one of the songs, because the drummer of the Foo Fighters died not long ago, he died young, with drugs in his system, and collapsed suddenly. They're releasing an album, and one of the songs is all about how they've had everything as a band, and yet they lack, which is the story of their drummer that they're now deeply missing. Now then, also, to make my case, there's a boxer called Floyd Money Mayweather, nods at the back. Um, now, he's got loads of money, but people say of him, who get to know him, he's afraid of being alone. So he spends his money lavishly on his friends to keep them near him. So there's someone with loads of money, but it's not quite enough to satisfy his soul. And this is also true, I think. Um, for some, money and earthly treasures can become their lives, and they obsess over it. It becomes their treasure. Um, Floyd Mayweather, um, he's got an entourage of girls, and he'll like say to a shopkeeper in Las Vegas, we're coming in this afternoon, shut down the shop, we're having free reign. And then 20 of his entourage go in, and he says to all the ladies, you can have any jewelry, handbags, clothes that you want, it's on me. And they love him. And they're like, this is true power. And that's why Floyd does it. Because some people love the status and popularity that you can have with wealth. And that's their treasure. And, and I think, as I observe the world, the further we go from Christianity, the, the, the more this stuff is all that we have because we forget there's a world to come. So there's massive pressure now on young people to be educated, get money, wealth, and status, because guess what? This is it. It's just you. So go and make your statement, and money's going to help with that. So you get people having complete meltdowns at exam time, the further we go from Jesus, who has a very different message about treasure. And the Bible 
has a few things to say about treasure. And the Bible presents us with a person, from page 1 to page 1,000 whatever, as a person who is the best treasure of all, of all. And the Bible helps us to see that there's a higher treasure that's better than even money, comfort, status, wealth. And the church is here to show Cardiff we believe it. We believe the gospel. It changes our treasures and we're better off. So this lady in this passage, I guess my main question is, how does she get to the point where she gives earthly treasures away because she's focused on a higher treasure? How do you get there? To come away from loving earthly treasures, which we all do, to love an everlasting treasure whose name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, why does Mary love Jesus and give him so much? Why, through the years, has there been saints like Polycarp, John Chrysostom, the Emperor Justinian, Bernard of Clairvaux, Corrie Ten Boom, Fanny Crosby, why are they willing to leave it all behind and just follow Jesus wherever it leaves, even if it leads to earthly treasures dropping? Why? Why have I met Christian parents who sometimes have lost their children too soon to death, and yet they still cling on to Jesus as a treasure? How do you get that real? Conversely, Judas is in this passage, and he doesn't value Jesus more than money. So what's what have the others seen that Judas hasn't, which is a killer that we must avoid? What is he choosing not to see? What's blinding him? And the answers to all that lie in another question. So here's another one. Lots of questions a day to keep you awake. Why did Jesus betray... No, that's the wrong question. Why did Judas betray the Lord Jesus Christ? The answer is because he wasn't a very complex guy. Here's chapter 12, verse 6. Here's a summary of Judas. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag, and used it to help himself and so forth. Judas was a thief. He stole money. Do you know why? Because he loved and treasured money. He stole from the communal bag, and that took his eyes off the treasure of Jesus. Okay? So, here we have two treasures side by side. Money, the Judas one, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Mary one. And Judas misjudged where we should place our affections. And he went all in on the passing treasure. It's quite a humbling summary of his whole life. He was a thief, he loved money. Like modern psychology likes to add lots of layers of why we do what we do. Bible just goes, thief, lover of money. Every decision he made was to get more money. And here's the thing, he lost out on gospel life and freedom. In fact, in Mark chapter 14, 10, and in John 12, 4 to 5, when he sees an item of perfume, which was probably to the value of about 20,000 pounds, wasted, Mark says, that's it, 
enough. At that moment, he goes and sells Jesus for the price of a slave. That's it. He valued Jesus lower than a slave because his treasure was desecrated and wasted on him. He is simple. She is complex and deep and rich. What has she seen? She has a deep understanding of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, and she values him as treasure. She treasures the gospel, and it affects her wallet and her decisions and her life. She has seen this. This jar of perfume, which is quite expensive, is a treasure that's just passing through. I am just passing through. This treasure is just passing through. He lasts forever. What he gives me and who he is, is of infinite value. I'm going in with him. And I'm going to show him that by just giving him my other treasures along the way. I'm grateful for my other treasures, but if it comes to a clash, I'm giving it all to you. I'm heading for a kingdom that lasts forever, and he's the king of it, so I'm all in. I remember when I first started in the ministry almost 15 years ago, I had an email from a, a senior minister, a friend of mine, and he said, Owen, all the days of your life, think about the invisible world to come. Don't get settled here. Never forgotten it. That's the Mary thing. That's why once a year we celebrate the Feast of Tents um, in Park End Church. It's like flimsy buildings. That's all this is. It's just a flimsy bit. It's a tent. There's real stuff coming that lasts forever. In John chapter 4, no, in John chapter 12 and Mark chapter 14, week-long celebrations are occurring. They're in Bethany and they're in someone's house. He's called Simon the leper. Do you know why? Correct. And he's been healed of it. It's quite, the, it's quite the gig. Lazarus is there, and he's had an interesting time. Mark is there. Mary's there. Martha's there. Judas is there. There's Pharisees nearby, and they're in Simon the leper's house. Do you know why John added that bit? Because leprosy is a big problem, if you hadn't noticed. And in the Old Testament, if you had leprosy, you had to go and stand over there, and everybody else would stand here. And they stood over there because the priest needed to teach people, see what he's got? That's not going to feature in the world to come. So anything like that, you'd be over there for a while and then they'd help heal you and then you come back. Because guess what? There's a will coming. There's no sin. There's no crying. There's no bullying. There's no pedophilia. There's no anger. There's definitely no cancer. There's no um, Alzheimer's. There's no cellulitis. There's no toothache. So you go over there and watch what the priest is going to do and then we're going to bring you back in. And it's just a picture of the world to come. So Simon's there and guess what? He loves Jesus because Jesus has healed him because they're all meeting and eating around the table together. So here's another question. Have you seen him as the treasure who can do that for you? Jesus promises to make broken people well. Only he can do that. That's why he's better than money. People with frail broken bodies, people with frail minds and unclean souls. And he heals us of sin and sickness and disease. He promised to do it. He's promised to do it. And that's better than money. Many times, I've had the privilege of holding people's hands on their deathbeds. And death is a powerful enemy as the body breaks down. And I would hold their hands, and the curtains are closed, and it's just me and them, and the world is busy chasing other dreams and other treasures outside. But it doesn't matter to the person whose hand I'm holding now. 
They can't tap into that will. Do you know what I've never said? Do you want a thousand pounds? Now I'll wire it to you now. How will that help? Will you be two thousand? I'll give you two thousand. You're not smiling. Oh, you don't want that. I've never said that. They never want that. Do you know what I offer as people are about to enter the world to come? I offer the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the treasure, the only treasure for the body, the mind, and the soul. I offer it then and we offer it now to anybody listening. He is the relief, the peace that we all need. And verse 2 says, they're all eating around the table and Jesus is there. Look at this great one. A dinner was given in Jesus' honor. So they all love Jesus. Jesus-centered fellowship. Mary and Martha, their catering. And then it happens. Ready? Watch this. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped it uh, with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Um, John focuses on feet. Um, but he would have gone all over him. John focuses on feet because John loves Moses. And he wants you to think like Moses. And the anointing of feet and later head, it's like Leviticus and Exodus. What John wants us to get is, this is a priest being anointed here. This is a priest. This is a sacrifice being anointed here. He's about to be buried, so let's anoint this high priest. And the smell fills the house. Judas is livid. The others love it. Isn't that interesting? This moment is huge. And she sacrifices her best treasure, because there's a better one in the room. So there's two views of Jesus. Money waster, or Jesus, my high priest and my lamb and my sacrifice and the one who's going to die in my place and rise for me. He's a waste of my time. I'm not going to give him any of my time or my attention ever. Or he's worth everything I've got, and I'm all in. And they're in awe of Jesus, and the perfume goes, by the way, it's a litre, I think, or a pound you might have in your version. 11 ounces, half a litre of pure nard. That's very expensive. By the way, I've done some research. If you bought a pint of nard today, it would still cost a minimum of 500 pounds a day. It comes from the mountains of China through the city of nard. It's got earth, earthy smells. So there you go, ladies. If you want to smell like the earth, um, cost you money. But you can do it. It's in the Song of Songs as well. In fact, I did some research once, and the closest cheap version you can buy, man, for your um, lady friends, is it's um, in Lush in town, and it's got some nard, spike nard in it, and um, it's called the Breath of God. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Although I googled them again this week, and I couldn't find it there because I was going to buy it for Rita, and uh, but it wasn't there, so I couldn't. So she didn't get anything. But I was going to. <laughs> I'll try again, all right. Um, point is this, she's showing, she's showing who her understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ is with her earthly treasure. It's Passover time. Ironically, the priests should be killing a lamb about this time, but actually they wanted to kill Jesus instead because they're blinded because they've got other treasures. The irony is he is the Passover lamb. They've missed it, and she's got it. And all that's happening in this room. So, it's a pretty simple uh, chapter for us all this morning. She breaks a jar, 20,000 pounds worth. That would still put in the top three in the world today of the most expensive perfumes, by the way. She's harshly rebuked by Judas, as we read in 4 and 5, but Jesus loves it. Leave her alone, he says. You know why? 
because she's preparing him for his burial. He has to die for sinners to live. And she gets it. Because by his death, I go free. I'm free from fake treasures. He's going to set me alive for the world to come. He's going to make the scales fall down from my eyes. My punishment that I deserve for my sins is gone. He's dead. He's risen. He sets me free. I'm going where he is going, whatever happens to me this week. And so really, to wrap it all up, it's an either-or, because you can't really juggle both when it comes to true treasures of the heart. You treasure the passing things and you let Jesus go, or you treasure Jesus and you let the passing treasures go, though you're grateful for them when they come. And what happens here is when you hold Jesus, everything wonderful comes your way. And that's the story of our faith. It looks very different to the treasures that the world offers, but everything wonderful comes our way. And the story ends with um, uh, them all sad because in verse 8, um, Jesus says, I'm not going to be with you for much longer. And bodily, he's going to die. And then they're not going to be with him to eat with him for a while and hear him and touch him and things like that. Um, so they're sad. But here's a Christian message. Are you ready? The message of the Bible is this. We will see him again soon bodily. All put back together well again. No sin, no death, no disease. Um, so, will you trust the Lord Jesus with this matter? Because it's a big one for wealthy Westerners. Will you join this church or a church in helping getting this city ready for the world to come and to stop investing in passing dangerous treasures? Will we help each other get rid of stuff which has become a weight blocking us from loving the Lord Jesus Christ and stopping us being excited about being with Jesus and the world to come? Will you join the kingdom of God in Cardiff and show by the way we live and what we enjoy that the greatest treasure of all is the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are wired to love people, not things, and he is the greatest person any of us will ever meet. And I'll close with this point. When we're at our weakest, on our deathbeds, we tend to cling to the things, the treasures that we hold most dear. So most people don't want money, they want their loved ones near, or a photo of loved ones, and we surround ourselves with what matters. It's never transitory passing junk. It's always weighty stuff. And our job is to tell Cardiff this, that they have been ne never been loved as much as the Lord Jesus Christ, because you know what treasure he clung to on the cross and why he went there? Who did he become poor for? Who was he clinging to through his death and resurrection. Well, the Apostle Paul says, though the Lord Jesus Christ was rich, yet for your sake became poor. No one has been loved that much that on Calvary the Son of God himself was clinging to us and for us, and he still is clinging to us right now. Don't miss out on the greatest treasure of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've got gadgets and gizmos getting in your way of loving him, we're here to help each other. Say no to that stuff 
and yes to him. Jesus is better than money. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.